Oh God, you are the Lord of all nations. Doesn't matter how we write our names, doesn't matter how we speak our mother tongue, it doesn't matter. It's all under your lordship. But for the few moments we have, we're thinking specifically of China. Open our minds to what that means for us here and now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. China is considered by many in the West the land of the dragon. I know the panda is kind of their marketing uh, uh, scheme to the world, but really the land of the dragon. The dragon, uh, for good reason, is front and center in Chinese festival celebrations. I put a picture on the screen for you. You know how they make these human dragons and they dance them around on the lunar holidays and what have you. There's a Chinese dragon. Uh, in fact, uh, the, during the dynasties, particularly the uh, Qing dynasty and the Ming dynasty, the imperial dragon was very much front and center. In fact, they called the emperor's throne the dragon throne. And let me tell you something. It's a big deal in China to be born in the year of the dragon. I found that out. I'm born in the year of the dragon. And if you're born in the year of the dragon, we can guess each other's age and just 12, 12 years apart somehow. In fact, I learned that Chinese parents try hard to have their babies in the year of the dragon because it's a special year. So dragon's a big deal. And guess what? The name of the airline that flew us into China... What's the name of the airline? Put it on the screen. There it is, Dragon Airlines. Yeah, so it's a big deal in China. Dragon Air delivered three servants of the Lamb into the great city of Xiamen. And now we move from the mythological to the apocryphal and the enigma that is China today. This was a big deal for me to go. I, I, I don't know. I, I, go various places in the world. But this one was just big for, in my mind and heart. I read three books in preparation for going. And in one of the books written by uh, Gord Gordon Kerr, his book, A Short History of China from Ancient Dynasties to Economic Powerhouse, these are his words on the screen for you. China, with four millennia, look at they've been around longer than about anybody, with four millennia of continuous history, is one of the world's oldest civilizations as well as one of the best documented. China has often been blighted by the influence and ambition of foreigners. The elements, too, that would be flood and famine, have played their part. Nonetheless, keep reading, Chinese culture has always managed to survive even through the darkest times, partly because of the extraordinary conviction of the Chinese people that their land is the center of everything, the Middle Kingdom, as they call it, or literally all under heaven, as they describe their nation. And so into this land of enigmas and dramatic contrasts, three preachers just uh, two weeks ago journeyed together, three of them speaking English, two of them born speaking Chinese to help the third guy be able to communicate in his mother tongue. We flew into Xiaomen. I'll put a map of the, of, uh, the uh, eastern side of China on the screen for you. Do you see it there? Do you see Xiaomen in the red star? It's north of Hong Kong, south of Shanghai. Two names you know well. There is Xiaomen. X-I-A, but it's pronounced Xiaomen. One of the five Chinese ports opened to foreign trade by the Treaty of Nanking. That would be 1842, at the conclusion of the First Opium War. By the way, the Chinese remember these treaties as the unfriendly unequal treaties, because this treaty deeded Hong Kong to the British until 1997, and that's how long the Brits held it. 
We got off the plane. That's what we saw. Next picture. I love Chowman in that airport. And in a short but for me meaningful time, somehow that city and its inhabitants uh, really made their way into this little heart. Chowman, I'll put some more pictures on the screen for you. A city of high-rises. I mean, we're talking about modern steel and glass everywhere you look. Temples, back alleys. Okay, that's a high-rise, next one. High-rises, office buildings, next one, office building. Well, you're going a little fast now. Slow them down. Uh, there is the University of Chowman. That's their ad building, their administration building, 30, 40 stories, beautiful campus, right across from the temples, big Buddhist temples. Next picture is the Buddhist temples. So this is this, this, is this city of great contrast, east and west. Chowman, known, by the way, in the 19th century by the British as Amoy, the site, next, next picture, please, the site of the first Protestant church in China, bar none. So Christianity got its toehold in Xiaoman, today's seaport city of Xiaoman. It's, it's an island. It's a, the whole city fills an island connected by bridges to the mainland. Xiaoman, home to 3.5 million Chinese within the city limits. Every morning when I went running to the city park near the hotel, I'm telling you, they were out. It's a beautiful look at that. Look at that uh, Chinese Oriental Bridge city surrounding it. The Chinese are out in force early in the morning. They are physical fitness uh, gurus. I've never seen anything like it. Tai Chi, you've heard of Tai Chi, this, uh, this uh, rhythmics, parallel moving. It's supposed to have great control over your muscles. They would often have a master there who was teaching them. And this particular one, look closely. They would whip out these red, red uh, these are fans, folding fans, and they would do it at the same time, and it made this loud snapping sound. <laughs> they would open it and then do the movements and <laughs> shut it back down. They would do it with swords. They were playing badminton all over the park. Now, look at this badminton. Do you see a racket in that picture? There is not a racket. They're playing badminton with their feet. Amazing dexterity. And they're kicking the birdie over the net. I watched them. In the kids going to school, back and forth. I love this picture. I, I took all these pictures. This is a mom and dad with their little kids holding hands going off to school with their little backpacks on Bicycles. Ooh. When you come in from the country and you don't have a car, you can rent bicycles just lined up outside that park. Drop a few coins in and you got a bike for a day. Cars. Not a picture of cars, but I'll tell you what. I saw more BMWs, Audis, Mercedes, and Porsches than I ever see anywhere in Barron County. I mean, <laughs> of course, that's no big, that's no big deal. Is it? Anywhere in South Bend. There is more money in China than uh, you have been led to believe. Trust me. They are a communist government, but they are thoroughly capitalist enterprise and economy. I mean, the money, the wealthy are wealthy. <laughs> a smorgasbord, shaman, smorgasbord of food. Do you, hey, listen, do you know what they eat in China? Chinese food. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the truth. <laughs> Nothing like what we have here. Our little Beijing palace in the village, please. It tastes different over there. It's the genuine. It's the real stuff. I want to put this picture on. So we went to this Buddhist restaurant. We, I ate in two temples. They're both uh, vegetarian because Buddhists are vegetarian. At least the priests are. Look at the artwork. Do you see a mountain? Do you see trees? Do you see a bird? Do you see behind a cloud another mountain peak? Do you see the sun? That's all food. We eventually ate it, but it started as artwork. Next picture, please. Let's get you hungry for dinner. 
everything's vegetarian. Everything. And those little packets, goodies, slipped in. Chinese food. Let's talk about the Xiamen, Seventh-day Adventist Church. The communist government, when they moved into that island, they took over. We were in a prime piece of real estate. They said, we'll have that. Thank you for the gift. They said, we'll give you a church downtown. They gave the, they gave, they, they gave the property, and they said, we'll build the church. There's the church they built. It's a beautiful church, three stories tall. The sanctuary is on the third story above all. Sabbath school room, second story, first story. They even have an apartment there for a hundred-year-old retired Chinese Adventist pastor who lives in that church. Pastor Fong, let me put his picture up. Pastor Fong, he would be the man on the right. Pastor Fong, he and his associate, by the way, have served together for 20 years leading that church. A deeply spiritual man, well-known in government circles. In fact, he's so well-respected in the city that he's been chosen to serve on the Three-Self Patriotic Movement Government Council. Do you know what the Three-Self Movement is all about? The government has chosen Protestant churches that may exist, Protestant denominations. You may exist. The Seventh-day Adventist Church has been chosen. Now, that's not to say there aren't house churches. There are house churches all over China, including Adventist house churches. They are illegal and forbidden, but they exist, and the government turns kind of a quiet eye to the side. You see, the deal with the government is we don't want any foreign body to have a toehold or to have influence in our... We are Chinese. Let the churches exist. But they must teach Chinese philosophy, Chinese ideology. And so they keep inviting the churches, focus more on our Chinese heritage. So when the government gave permission for a foreign preacher to come into the country and preach. That was not a little deal. Because this pastor serves as a well-respected leader, they gave permission with purposely leaving it unwritten. But they nodded the head. They said, go ahead. So that's the deal. That's what the church lives with in that great nation. They warned me that the authorities could walk in at any time, and Dwight, if we sense the authorities coming, you'll be out of the pulpit, somebody else will be stepping in to preach before they walk in the sanctuary on the third floor. I'm glad to tell you nothing like that happened. But I'm also here to tell you that, you, trust me, I'm not going to speak against any government. I was in Cuba in March. You think we spoke against the government there? Be in Vietnam later this year? You think I'm going to speak against the government? No. Why, why should we? We have a non-political agenda as Seventh-day Adventists. We have what's called the everlasting gospel, and it must go to the whole world. And we will not raise opposition needlessly. Here's a picture from my Sabbath worship service little out of focus because I took it during prayer at the end. So here's another one, a little, uh, a little more in focus. But you see, it's a, it's a modern-looking sanctuary. It's very, very uh, conveniently laid out. And by the way, I promised them I would take their greetings to you. So greetings from the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Xiamen, China. They were just delighted. I said, next Sabbath, I'll be back at home. And so you have their greetings. They have a church choir. Oh, my, they sing beautifully. Can't, they, they sing in their own language, which is Mandarin. They have young adults leading out. I was very pleased to see that. They have children in the church. By the way, China's one-child policy the government has recognized has failed the nation. They now have a two-child policy. So they made an adjustment. They realized we were running out of people. 
with the little children. They were up. And by the way, you can't see the big girls behind them all the way across the stage, but that's all being choreographed by their movements while these two little girls singing to those handheld mics. In the mornings, I met every day with almost 100 pastors, elders, and church volunteer leaders from Fujian province. Three hours every morning. They said, Dwight, just teach us. Just teach. Talk about ministry. Talk about pastoring. Talk about preaching, which I teach here. Three hours. Because there's no seminary. There's no seminary in China. It's illegal to have a seminary. There's some underground training centers. But these pastors and elders and volunteers, look at them, came from all over Fujian province. And this is only Fujian province. And these are only those who came, but it was an honor for me. I tell you what, the immense challenge they face trying to communicate the everlasting gospel, and I come back here and I kind of mutter and pout about how difficult it is for me. Get over it. We have no idea what these people go through because they love the Lord Jesus. Let me say a word about our church leaders there in the China Union Mission. Bob Falkenberg, Jr. is the president of the union. We went out to have uh, lunch together before uh, we flew up to Xiamen. Bob apologized. He said, hey, listen, man, I, I'd love to be going up there, but the government has me on their radar screen. I'm six foot six, so he's a tall guy like his dad uh, was. And He's registered with the government. The government knows who he is. In fact, when every time he goes in, they'll call him into the th authorities. They'll say, hey, by the way, we know what you did yesterday. What, we know what you're planning to do tomorrow. Anything else you want to tell us about? And he would just say, no, I'm here to encourage the saints. And why can't we have a seminary? Well, we're just not ready yet. So he couldn't come. His, as it turns out, his wife was already up in, uh, his wife was already up in Shaman. She was spending a month working on Mandarin. By the way, Bob and, Bob and Audrey, uh, they were out of seminary or out of college, uh, missionaries in Pe Beijing. They ended up in Taiwan. They speak Mandarin fluently. So Audrey was just up there to deepen her understanding of this very complicated language. But you know what? My, my hat is off to the Falkenbergs, to the others who have embraced the language, the culture, the people, and who are giving their lives. I'm going to show you the leadership pictures now. Here's a picture of the group. This is at One Buddhist Temple. There's Audrey on the left. Uh, next to her is Edmund. One of, oh, no, go back, please. Go back, please. Next to her is Edmund, one of the um, translators. Behind him is Isaac Fu, the other translator, me. There is uh, Pastor Xiao and his wife, the other pastor with Pastor Fong. Now you can go to the next slide, and that's Pastor Fong now on the left side, and that's Isaac, Isaac Fu, uh, my translator as well. Let's talk about evangelism in Xiamen, China. As I mentioned, the government allows no public evangelism, at least the marketing of evangelism, which means it's all word of mouth, or you can hand out one of these. You can't stand in front of the church. There's no name of, no American name or picture or anything. It's just, we're going to have some meetings called the New Hope in Christ, because that's what I call my series, just New Hope in Christ. But you can't stand in front of the church to all the people at that busy intersection. No, you can't do that. It's, it's just, you can quietly say, hey, you want to come? You can do word of mouth. But hope, I'll tell you what, hope in any language is what the world is crying for. So why not have a series on hope? I'm going to show you the backdrop uh, picture of the, they put this together, this beautiful little backdrop with this harvest scene on it and all that Mandarin. And then in English, uh, the new hope is added to the new hope in Christ. But word of mouth works like this. One of the young women coming, she's a member of this congregation, faithfully there, Sabbath, both services. Uh, she, she was coming on the second night 
and sat by a man. They got into conversation. She told him where she was going and would he like to come. He came. And so he was sitting with her on the second row right there where the Collins are and just listening all the way through because he's not understanding me, but he's hearing the translator. I talked to him afterwards. She wanted me to meet him. Promised he'd come again. But that's how it works. You just, just, hey, you, you want to come? Began preaching the first Sabbath, two service, two uh, services. Uh, let me tell you that they have two services because the church members come from out, out of the country into the city. They don't want to go home and then come back. So they do two services. Starts at 9 o'clock. No Sabbath school. Just keep going. They said, this sermon better not be short. I said, I'd be happy to oblige. <laughs> I'm going to take that back to my church and just tell them that's the way it is in China. <laughs> so they said, just go to 11 o'clock. So from 9 to 11.30, rather. And then they have a dinner. Then they have, let's, let's, let's have worship again. Do another sermon. That's what they do every Sabbath. They're hungry to be there, to be with each other, to just have this contact. <laughs> we, we come in. We waltz in. Man, we, out of here. Let's go. What a world. Anyway, so the evangelism started Sunday night, went through Sabbath, the, the second Sabbath. Um, Opening night uh, was about evolution versus divine design, then great controversy, then salvation, then Sabbath, then death, then baptism, then second coming, seven subjects. Only one evening did we plan to use a decision card, and that would be for the final evening meeting, which was on baptism. So I came at 7 o'clock, and the power was out, not just in the church, but in a grid of four or five city blocks. No power. Now, the pastor had said, look, they're going to turn the power off this morning. They have to do some work on a water main or electrical, whatever. But it'll be back 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, no power. The, the, the industrious, inventive pastor's wives immediately uh, corralled 30, 40 red candles. Next picture, please. And they had the candles placed just flat pew tops, just like our pews, all the way up and down the church. So we began, we began with no light. Now, when you have no light, you have no, you have no PA, you have no PowerPoint, you have nothing but candles. So we started singing. They sing off the screen, Chinese, Mandarin. But at 7.30 sharp, just at 7.30, there's this loud boom, and all the lights went on. And ah, I tell you what, this was the only night we were going to use a decision card. This is the only night where you have to have the light. You've got to fill this thing out. And the Lord just kept the lights on. We got to the end. I made, a, made very slowly, made the, the appeal. Translator uh, went to work, got an email from Isaac the next day at the, at the hotel the next morning. He said, Dwight, I got the numbers here. Thought you'd be interested in this. 90, 94, 95 people turned in appeal cards last night for baptism 19. Nineteen people made a decision for baptism. Sixteen made a decision for Bible studies. Thirty-two, Dwight, last night were brand-new attendants for the first time. Thirty-two in that, in that uh, room, in that sanctuary. Now, I, I realize 19 doesn't sound like, you know, Fernando Ortiz was here in first service. Cuba, we had 277 baptisms. Nineteen? Guys, we're not talking, we're not comparing apples and oranges. We're not comparing apples with apples. This is apples and oranges, way apples and oranges. We're talking about communists. We're talking about atheists. We're talking about Buddhists. We're talking about no Christian undergirding, period. Not a Roman Catholic island like Cuba. You were praying, and I want to thank God for the prayers. I was, I was soaring on the prayers that you were praying here. You prayed, God answered. And I praise the Lord for every one of those decisions. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. I want to conclude with the story of a woman I saw 
and did not get to meet. I'm going to tell you about her because she's on my heart. She's been on my mind ever since. But in order for her story to make any sense at all, I need to share with you three texts. No study guide today. Jot these three texts down. One you've never read in your life. Three texts. Write them down. They have to go together. You'll see why. I want to share these three texts. Then I'll share with you her story. All right? Text number one. Put it on the screen so you can jot it down. Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 19 to 21. Jeremiah, jot that down. Jeremiah 16, verses 19 to 21. Uh, Find it in your Bible as well, please. Jeremiah 16, verses 19 to 21. I'm going to start reading from the NIV. Jeremiah now is talking to God. He's praying to God. This is phenomenal, what you're about to read. Unbelievable, but it's in the Bible. Watch this. Jeremiah, I don't know when I found this, just months ago, maybe on the way to Japan. I have no idea. But this becomes now the grist for all the praying for China and Japan and the world, as you'll see. Verse 19, Jeremiah 16, Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth. There's a day coming. It's obviously not yet. There's a day coming when the whole world from the ends of the earth will come to God. And what will, the, what will the nations be saying? Now, get this. This is what's stunning. And they will say, our ancestors, notice the quotation marks, our ancestors possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. They go on. Do people make their own gods? Yes, but they are not gods. Did you catch that? I'm going to run this by with another translation called The Voice. I like this rendering on the screen for you. Our ancestors, this is the ends of the earth, the nations, our ancestors, our ancestors were fools. They inherited and clung to empty lies, worthless gods that gained them nothing good. My friends, that is a stunning Bible prediction that one day the nations of earth will all declare of their own spiritual heritage this was zero. We had nothing. Our ancestors gave us lies. We were fools for believing. That's pretty heavy stuff. I think of this woman whom I prayed that I might somehow by chance meet and didn't. What would she be saying based on this? Here's what she'd be saying. What were my my ancestors thinking? What were my people thinking to lead me down this dead end? All I got was nothing, nothing, nothing. But there's more. One more verse, and this is what is extra stunning. Look at verse 21. So you have the nations who make this confession. We just got lies. That's all we were given. Now, God is speaking. I want you to notice that. Verse 21, God is speaking. More, another set of quotation marks. This is God now. God speaks. Therefore, I will teach them whom? The ends of the earth, the nations of the world. I will teach them. This time, I will teach them. He repeats it. You didn't get it the first time. I'm telling you, I'm going to take over the teaching. Do you understand that? I will teach the world I will teach them my power and might. Then they will know that my name is the Lord. My name is Savior of the world. I am the Savior. And I, at one moment in time, will step forward and teach the world myself. That hasn't happened yet. It has not happened, which is why you need the other two texts 
Jot them down. Here comes text number two. Take a look at this. Romans chapter 9, verse 28. I want you to see it in your Bible. We're just looking at it on the screen. Romans chapter 9, 28. You got to put this with the, the, the stunning, if I might repeat that adjective, the stunning word that God has just spoken. This is Romans chapter 9, verse 28 on the screen for you. Oops, I'm in 1 Corinthians. Romans chapter 9, 28. Here we go. For the Lord, Paul writing, he's quoting Isaiah, for the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. Just like that. He'll finish it. In fact, the old King James, which we're, we're much more familiar with, the new King James, let me put that on the screen for you. For he, God, will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make short work upon the earth. Whatever teaching that God is going to personally provide for the masses of paganism and atheism and secularism, whatever teaching he will provide, he will do it with speed and finality. He will cut it short. He says, this is it. I will do it myself. He will finish his own work. You get that? He will finish his own work. That's why you need the third text, because it hasn't happened yet. When's it going to happen? Last text. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. Familiar verse. You know this one. Revelation 18, verse 1. John writing, old man John on the Isle of Patmos. He's just seen three angels streaking through the heavens with God's final appeal of mercy to the doomed human race. He's seen these three angels, but then he writes, verse 1 of Revelation 18, after this I saw another angel, fourth angel. We have three we know about. Here comes number four. I saw another angel. We know this is at the end of time because the plagues that he announces later in the chapter, that's at the very end. I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He, this angel, had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. What we know by that single line is that this is not a regular angel angel. Regular angel angels are just like you and me. They have no... They're creatures. They have no innate glory. Any glory they have, any glory you and I have, is a reflection of the, of the source of all glory, right? So this cannot be an angel angel. This is another angel. This is the Old Testament angel that is called the angel of the capital L-O-R-D. It is the divine angel. In Moses and the burning bush, remember, I am. This is I am. This is, the, this is the incarnate God. This is Christ. This is the fourth angel who comes down now and says, guess what? I'm stepping in. I will finish all of this myself. I will teach the nations. They will come to me, and I will teach them who I am. Isn't that something? Just before the end. Wow. And the earth was illuminated with His glory. Lady, look, 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 folks, if God does not intervene, now just think, think with me, the character of God. If God does not intervene and teach the nations, then what will be the fate of 1.3 billion Chinese? What will be the fate of 128 million Japanese? What will be the fate of 1 billion Hindus? What would be the fate of 1.4 billion Muslims? What will be the fate of countless millions of pagans, of secularists, of humanists, of atheists? What will be their fate? If God has to wait for somebody to show up at every door in China, do you know how many doors there are in China? Somebody that's a Christian, somebody that's an Adventist has to show up in order for them to be reached. It's over. We'll never reach the world. Impossible. 
God says, I will, at the end of time, I will step in. And I'll finish it just like that. I'll teach. It's the latter rain. That's what this is talking about. It's a mighty final Pentecostal outpouring that Acts began with, the world will end with. What Acts began with, the world will end with. Boom. I'll finish. Does that mean Dwight has no help at the end? Are you kidding? Look at this. Put it on the screen. Familiar words to some from the little apocalyptic classic great controversy. Servants of God with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven by thousands of voices all over the earth. A warning will be given. Miracles will be wrought. The sick will be healed. Signs and wonders will follow the believers. Thus the inhabitants of the earth will be brought to take their stand. As it was in the beginning in the book of Acts, it even so shall be at the end of time. Oh, he'll have help. I myself will teach them in the end. And I know our temptation is when we hear that God's going to teach them, you know what? Oh, well, please, let's, let's let God do his thing, and we'll just do our thing. And what is our thing? Nothing. That's our thing. Nothing. I want to tell you something. That bankrupted, that bankrupted bit of personal philosophy will not hold water at the end of time. Because you know what God says to you and me? Listen carefully. This is what God says to you and me. You will not be living in my home until you have my heart. He said, did you get that? You will not be living in my home until you have my heart. And what is God's heart? It's a heart for the lost. God says, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be happy in heaven? <laughs> You'll be ticked off that there are people there that didn't spend as much time in the Word as you did. You'll be ticked off that I'm going to be saving them like the thief on the cross by the Millions I will be saving people in the last second of time. You have to have my heart if you're going to live with people that didn't get, a, didn't get all the teaching you got in the Word of God. The eleventh hour hires who didn't work through the heat of the day but got paid the same wage by a generous employer. You got to have my heart if you want my home, girl. Boy, you want my home? You come and have my heart. Love these people for me. I need your help. I'll finish it. You start it. I saw her a week ago yesterday. We were touring, touring the large and sprawling Buddhist temple right across from Xiamen uh, University. Everywhere you turned in this on these temple precincts, golden Buddhas, put the picture on the screen, please, smiling Buddhas, angry Buddhas, sleeping Buddhas, 18 faces of Buddha Buddhas. That's what they say. He has 18 faces. I wasn't supposed to take pictures. I learned that after I took the picture. That's a room full of Buddhas. That's who they're praying to. And oh, were they praying. People clapping bowing, praying before Buddha. And while they were, the workmen were scurrying around the grounds, putting up red lanterns. Tomorrow is Buddha's birthday, they announced. So there was going to be a big party. They'd cordoned off the, the, uh, the most holy place, the inner shrine of the temple. Big, you know, 50 feet away, you could see the shadow, and you could see a golden image inside the shadow. But she was under the, the traffic tape. She was under the tape. I saw her. I watched her. Something just got, glued my eyes on her. Should have taken a picture, but it almost was too sacred a moment. Her face, I'll never forget her face, absolutely wreathed with anguish, just, just desperate anguish. Her lips are moving. She's going up and down. Her hands are reaching out to that space across the taped-in 
vacancy. She's moving towards, she's, she's praying towards the image. I have no idea what has broken her heart, but she is, I've never seen a face more anguished, more pitiable and pitiful than this woman in prayer. Oh, I tell you what, she has no clue. No clue that the God she is praying to is not a God. That's nothing. There may be a demon that's masquerading as a God who says, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend the signs of the north. I will be as God. There is a demon masquerading. But that idol, that golden Buddha, do you understand, girl? There's nothing. Zero. I locked her face in my mind. We went back to the hotel Friday afternoon to get ready for Friday evening. And for some reason, as I uh, knelt down to pray, just the Spirit, just like that, brought that woman's face to my mind. And I saw her there in her pleading anguish. Just she, she, people are milling all around her. It's as if there's nobody there but her and this God. And she's begging Him. And for some reason, God just pushed hard on my heart with her face. And I prayed for that woman like I have never prayed for anybody in my life. It's just, I've never had, there just was a spirit of intensity that came over that, that little hotel room. And I'm begging God. I'm saying, God, look it. There's nothing behind that door. I understand that. But you heard this girl. You heard this woman. You know exactly what she's praying for. If it won't give credit to the enemy, can't you step in? Can't you, can't you answer her prayer? Give her what she's longing for. Send her tonight. May I bump into her on the street? May I recognize her face and say, uh, in English, I'm, I have something you have to know. Let me get a translator. I just prayed and prayed and prayed for that anonymous woman. Got up early this morning praying for her. And then God this morning said, Dwight, I want to show you something. You remember that little quotation that you enjoy? Christ Object Lessons, page 147. What if this were true about that woman as well? I want you to write this reference down, COL 147. You can look it up and Google it later. But I want you to read it on the screen right now. Our PowerPoint guy just scribbled this in this morning. When with earnestness and intensity, key word, intensity, key word, earnestness. In other words, you're not faking it. This is not play acting. You're not trying to impress God like the priests of Baal, cutting yourself, slashing yourself. God, you'll notice me now. No, 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 no. This is earnest. This is, this is for real time. You will have prayer seasons like this. If you've not had one yet, you will have them. They will come to you. When with earnestness and intensity we breathe a prayer in the name of Christ, all right, as believers in Jesus, we breathe a prayer in His name. Listen to this. This is incredible. There is in that very intensity that you are now experiencing in prayer. You can't explain it. Don't try to explain it. Let the intensity take your heart. The Spirit is moving in for a reason you do not know. There will be in that very intensity a pledge from God 
Look at this, that he is about to answer that prayer. He's about to answer our prayer exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, quoting Ephesians 3.20. When those moments of intensity sweep over you, they are a sign from the Almighty God, I'm preparing to do something in your life you have never seen me do before. Keep at this. Stay with me. You always quit and leave. You always cut and run. Stay with me. That intensity is my pledge that I'm going to act on your behalf. But you have to ask me, and I have to know you want it. God says, Dwight, what if it's true for that woman? What if it's true that she is pleading her heart out and her eyes out, and I'm hearing every word she pleads? What if her intensity is proof that I'm about to answer her prayer. Do you know how many people across China, like that woman, are begging the God to save me? There's a God in heaven who says, I'll take that prayer because I know you mean me. There is no other God. If you're asking for God to save you, I'm it. I accept the prayer. I'll save you. There has to be a way that God will teach the human race before Jesus returns, and He will. And humanity will choose yes or no, and that'll be it. They gave me the scroll last Sabbath afternoon. They said, Dwight, I want you to hang this up in your house. I said, okay, I will. By the way, he said, they asked me days earlier, uh, is there any verse you would like to have on this? There is. If you guess the verse, you're Chinese. If you read the verse, you're Chinese. It's in Mandarin, by the way. I can tell you, I can read this. Watch this. I'll translate as I read. You don't think I can do it, do you? That's just like you. Skeptical. I'll put the words on the screen for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If I could go to that woman right now and the Lord said, Dwight, here she is, what do you want to say to her? I'd say, hey, lady, I got words in Chinese for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, there is a God in this universe. He has heard your prayer, and His plans for you are to give you hope and a future. Keep pleading. He's hearing every prayer you pray. And one day you will meet him. He will speak his name to you and say, I am the one you were praying to that Friday afternoon, and I heard your prayer. Hope and a future. Hope and a future for China, for the world. 21, is it 21 days from yesterday? Hope trending comes. 21 days from yesterday, according to the cover of your bulletin, 21 days from yesterday, hope trending, hope in the future to a world. You know, what the, you know what China's done to the Internet? Guess this. They've shut it down. No Google over there. No, we don't want Google. They have their own search engine. News outlets for the U.S., none. So I go to my, chi I go to my Chinese Wi-Fi, and I type in newperceptions.com, our TV ministry. Bingo, it goes up. This fall, hopetrending.com. 
Don't go there now because we're just, that website is under construction. But when it goes up, there will be a few precious days in which that internet signal will be available across China and around the world. 21 weeks from last night. We, together, will take that to the world. Hope in a future. Doesn't get any better than that. God's mission. Our task. Take out your connect card, please. And I want to pray with you. But first, would you mind indicating your response to this Bible teaching? I've got guests here today. Thank you. Fill out the front of the card as much as you're comfortable with. We always go to the back side. The ushers are now getting ready to receive these. We go to the back side. My next step today is notice that, please. Box number one I rejoice in God's promise to personally teach the nations of earth about Himself. I never knew that promise before, but I'd put a check mark there. Yep, I rejoice with God. Jeremiah 16, verses 19 to 21. Here's box number two I want to join in sharing Christ with the world by and three choices. Circle one financially supporting hope trending. I'm happy to tell you today that since we were last together, I heard from Dan Jackson, the president of the North American Division. He says, Dwight, 75,000. We'll, we'll put that in. You start working with that 75,000. We've got, we got some seed money. We'll need 50,000 more just from this congregation, but God will provide it. I'm not worried at all. If you want to have a part in that, just mark your, your gift on a tithe envelope, Hope Trending. It'll go. God will take it to the world, take it to China. By, uh, circle number two, volunteering. I want to I join Christ by volunteering to join the Hope Trending ministry team. Put a check mark there. We'll be in touch with you. We're putting our teams together. Final circle, I would like to pray for my list of individuals who need the hope and future Jesus offers. I will pray for them. I will start putting that list together. They will be the ones I invite by the grace of God. We can all have a part. Hope and a future in Christ to the world. Let's pray. Dear God, what are you going to do? China, America, India, Russia, Africa, Australia, what are you going to do that you come, that you step forward in the end is very good news, that you do the teaching at the end blesses us, but no home with no heart. And so I humbly pray on behalf of all of us before you now, grant us your heart for lost people, please, please, for Jesus' sake and for the sake of this woman who must know you. Amen.